Hello, everybody, and welcome to Made in New England interview series. I am your host, Steve DeVries, uh, and I'm here today uh, with my guest, Michelle Pirog, uh, who is a consultant for strategic advising in autos and mobility. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Steve. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Michelle, we were just talking a little bit before we uh, we started this uh, interview, and uh, you were sharing some of, something about your uh, your career story, and I would love if you could just share that uh, with our listeners. Sure, happy to happy to share. So, my career started. You know, I was I was a, a mom, and I had four children, four sons, and you know, did what a lot of moms did back then, as I waited tables so I could have flexibility. Um, and when my youngest son, when he started school, I started school as well and continued to wait tables. And, you know, once I got my associate's degree, I wanted to have something on my resume that was more than uh, waiting tables or, you know, I had a cleaning business prior to that. So something a little bit more biz in the business realm. And so I was introduced uh, to the concept of this auto auction that was in Londonderry, New Hampshire, by somebody who worked with me in the restaurant. I worked at T-Bones in Salem, New Hampshire. Um, and she was always trying to recruit people to help in the cafeteria on, on that auction, at the auction one day a week on Thursdays. And she asked me if I would help. And I said, I'm interested in working one day a week, but I would prefer to work on the office side because I need to build out my resume. So I have, you know, six months of business experience. Um, so that I could get a job in, in the business realm. So that's exactly what I did. I went to work for Auto Auction New England, uh, the Duluth family, and I started in the back, you know, writing out titles. Uh, and I continued going to school and got my bachelor's degree. Once I got my bachelor's degree, I moved on. and I, I got a job, actually. I got a job offer from Delta Dental. I went back to the auction and gave my notice. And they went, whoa, 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 don't, don't leave, you know, stay. We have a job for you here. And so I you know, thought about my options and it just seemed to fit. The auction was six minutes from my house, which at that time was in Derry, New Hampshire. My kids were still in school. And so I had to have some flexibility. And so I, I stayed, you know, I never thought I'd be in the auto industry. That certainly wasn't something that I ever intended to do, but as I know now, it's really just the people industry. And so I stayed and worked at Auto Auction New England for 17 years. Um, and it was a great experience. You know, it was they're my family. They're very good to me. I feel like I was very good to them. I put in as much as I possibly could and learned everything I could about um, about the world, according mm -hmm. to auctions, which was interesting, kind of like a secret, a secret little business that happens that people don't realize that happens with their cars. So I stayed there for 17 years um, and then I left. Um, I moved to another small auction in, in another state for a few years. And then I went to work for IAA, which is a, a global auction company more in the salvage space. And I wanted to do that because it was like a more of a global market and it was more of a commodity sale than an, than an auto sale. And that's where I felt my strength was. So I did that for a few years and I was laid off during, um, during COVID. So a couple of weeks into COVID, they had big layoffs and they laid me off. And, you know, for many years prior to that, I always thought like, why don't I work for myself? And it just seemed that at that time, it made perfect sense to do that. So I just started a consulting firm. I actually went out and got my real estate license because my kids were getting older and I thought, why not get my real estate license so I can understand a little bit more about uh, that process for when they're ready to buy homes. Uh, and I just kind of took this attitude where I'm going to, I'm going to be very curious. I'm going to learn everything that I can, and I'm going to kind of let it unfold and see what happens. And so it's been about three and a half years that I've been working 
for myself. I mean, I have a couple companies that I primarily work for, um, but it's been a, an amazing experience. I've met tons of people uh, and my knowledge has expanded greatly and I, I get to do so many amazing things. That really is uh, an amazing story, Michelle. So you grew up here in New England. You've been educated here in New England. You've built your 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 business career and, your, and now your business practice here in New England. I can't think of a better way to uh, kick off this interview series than someone who's truly uh, made their, their career and their business here in New England. So uh, thank you for sharing all that. So uh, maybe you could tell me a little bit about the, the focus of your consulting practice right now. Sure. Well, I'm really, I'm really interested in um, new technologies. Not that I'm, I'm a very technical person, but I'm, I'm really curious about new technologies, understanding, uh, I, understanding startups and how things evolve and um, customer experience, uh, and just how people and things move across the country and how that's changing. So it was particularly interesting during. COVID, you know, when everybody was stuck at home and it seemed like more people were just so, uh, so more um, open to ordering things online and having them delivered to them. Um, And, you know, we went from this period of there were the early adopters that would do that. But then once COVID hit, the game changed. You know, there's not a, I don't know a person now that doesn't order things that get delivered to their home. So while I was doing some work, um, just talking to people and understanding some entrepreneurs, I got a call from this company uh, called Park My Fleet. It was like brand new. I think they had just named the company or just had an idea. And they reached out to me because they saw my um, they saw my um, profile on LinkedIn and it showed a real estate agent and also auto background, which is a little bit unique. Mm-hmm. And called me and said, hey, we have all these properties. They're in different stages of development. We're not quite sure what to do with them during COVID because we don't know how the environment's going to change. But we think that we can help uh, the industry right now with just like parking some vehicles because at the time, like the rental, the rental companies were ninety five percent underutilized, and so what were they going to do with these cars? They said, could you just you know, like make a couple phone calls or connect us with a few people and see if we can kind of utilize and make a little money on these properties in this interim period, which at that time we all thought was going to be you know a couple weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so I said, sure, why not? I get nothing to lose. Um, you know, I'm, I'm usually open to trying new things and seeing if they work. And so we did that and it was very successful. But more importantly, it seemed like when we talked to people, they just had this need for property support for the different the different nuances of logistics and what was happening. So mid-mile delivery and last mile delivery and vehicles the assets that needed to be managed and maintained um, and, and how we could do that in a closer radius to delivery delivery areas. So flash forward three and a half years, that company started with three people. Uh, Mike Landau is the CEO and he has a partner, myself, and then there's the COO, uh, Jack Burzon. It's It started with three and I think we're up to almost 200 employees now. We have 27 locations across the country. Um, and we manage enterprise fleets that need just that support for their vehicles, for the assets being serviced, managed, maintained, and ultimately um, for the for the um, charging and the servicing of EV mobility hubs. Wow! So that was so, yeah, that was the main conduit to my company kind of taking off. Okay, okay. So now, in, in thinking about. Uh, the the EVs right I've noticed uh, that that's a a topic of interest for you 
uh, when I go through your, your LinkedIn profile. And I would encourage everybody listening to check out Michelle's LinkedIn profile. It's incredibly interesting. Um, so from an EV perspective and fleets here in New England, where do you see that going? Do you see a lot of people or a lot of businesses uh, adopting the idea of, of EVs as part of their service fleet, for example? I mean, I do. And I think, you know, we, we talk about EV and adoption in Northeast is, you know, we're way, be, we're way behind um, California and, and the West Coast. So it's kind of interesting because I actually own an EV. But when we talk to mm-hmm. fleets about adoption, you know, they they had all these lofty um, expectations and dreams way, way back in 2020. Everyone thought by 2021, we were going to have all kinds of EVs in our fleets. We saw that that didn't happen, whether that was supply chain or infrastructure. There were many reasons why it didn't really happen. Um, I think it will happen in especially delivery fleets. And one of the reasons I think that is because it makes sense. You know, the the routes are predetermined. They know exactly how far they have to go. So with all of the new technology and understanding charging and um, fleet cycles, um, I think it makes perfect sense. The other thing is that, you know, we all live in these neighborhoods now that used to be neighborhoods that, you know, your kids could play kickball out on the street. But, you know, now you notice even a neighborhood that didn't have a lot of traffic gets delivery traffic. I mean, just my street that has three houses on it, we probably have between us three houses, we probably have, I'd say, 10 deliveries a week that are showing up on this on this tiny street. It's like it's a different world. So. We do have to think about what that means to the environment when you have these big trucks driving through your neighborhoods that previously didn't have that. And personally, I hope that we all can work together to make that uh, more efficient for one and less, you know, less pollutant um, for the environment. You know, I could really talk about these things forever. So understanding even just how we have changed our behavior to order things and get them delivered to our house and our expectation that we order something and it's there the next day, I think that contributes to pollution because, you know, how many times have you gotten something delivered at your house that's this big, you know, it's a two by four and it's in this box that has 10 envelopes around it. It's just, it makes me feel, you know, a little sick inside when I get, when that happens. So I always try to do the right thing and check like, all right, just send me everything that I've ordered in one larger box. I mean, it doesn't happen. So I think there has to be some type of responsibility for us to look at how we can do this better. I mean, we see that everyone wants the lowest price and they want it to be in the quickest time. But we have to add into that, like, what's the right thing to do here? And how can we make that, uh, how can we make that work for communities where you're getting a delivery maybe once a week, but it's everything that you that you ordered that week. And it's not creating more traffic and more pollution. So that that thought has always, you know, especially in the last couple of years, has really interest, interested me. And I'm trying to, I think that the companies that I work for have the same type of um, responsible responsibility or the feeling of responsibility to have a better ESG score to create a better environment and a better world. Fantastic. I, I really appreciate um, your your thoughts on all of that and your and your efforts towards making the world a better place while we can still get our our deliveries every single day. So um, I want to circle back for just a second uh, to the story that you you started this interview with and your your career development. 
um, you have sort of a, a unique story in that, you know, you were working sort of a, a traditional mom's type of job as, as what you described, part-time type of thing, waiting tables and so forth. And now you've got this, this amazing career, right? So you didn't necessarily take the traditional path of, of going to school and coming right out into, you know, the professional workforce. It developed at a different point. There's a lot of people out there that I have to think um, could resonate with that story. What advice might you give to them uh, in order to, you know, get to the same type of level of success that, that you're seeing now with your career? Well, thank you. Thank you for that. It, it's very, you know, it's a, it's a great compliment to hear that, you know, what your thoughts are on my career trajectory. But, and, and you're right, nothing, nothing about my life has been traditional. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Um, I think the advice that I would give is, is that you just really want to remain as curious as possible and believe enough in yourself that you can recognize that your life happens for you, not to you mm. and allowing it to unfold and allowing your, your strengths to, to come forward, you know, just to be a little bit more relaxed about it. You know, I spent a lot of years um, when, when I was much younger and my kids were much younger in that, you know, striving, striving to do better, work harder, faster, stronger, all those things. And it wasn't until I was able to kind of sit back and trust in myself and trust in my gut, um, you know, for everything in my life, parenting, business, you know, everything in my life, trust in myself enough to take a breath and allow the things that were meant to be for me to come to me. I know that can sound a little bit sappy, but it truly did change my life when I got to that point where I said, everything's going to be okay. And it's it's going to come exactly how it should be for me. Uh, and it's just, it's changed my my life and my perspective immensely. That's that's amazing. And so now that we're, you know, getting into the holiday season, it's, you know, I think tomorrow is December and we're staring down the barrel of 2024. What are you looking forward to most next year in your business? Um, in my business, I'm looking forward to uh, continuing to expand. Uh, I think, you know, when you have startups, so I, you know, Park My Fleet started in, in uh, 2020. And then the other company that I work very closely with is Privacy for Cars. Um, I can talk about that a little bit too, but that's grown immensely. It's exploded globally. So I feel like we've gone through the the toddler stage and mm. now we, we are at the stage where we kind of, can have a little bit more um, fun. And I don't mean sit back or anything. I, I just want to, I want to be able to enjoy the growth, the kind of organic growth. It's like we, it's like we built the machines, you know, we spent some time and we, we did the work and, and we built the machine. And now I want to take some time to celebrate a little bit of the fruits of those labors, but also be open to what expansion looks like and allowing uh, the growth to happen, um, you know, more depth within the company. And then it may be some global growth with both of those companies as well. Nice. Any, uh, any headwinds, any challenges that you see for, for either of those businesses or your, or your own consulting practice that is top of mind right now? Yeah. I mean, with, with um, Park My Fleet, uh, there's always companies out there that, are going to be competitive and there are going to be some challenges uh, based on a few things, you know, like 
logistics and transportation itself, they always have challenges with drivers and then accepting new technologies and, and how do we help there. But I don't really spend too much time thinking about what the challenges are. I mean, maybe that's not uh, that's not the best business strategy, but I've, I've always kind of felt like if we do the best we can, if we work towards our work towards our strengths, the rest will kind of just work itself out. And there's room for competition, but there's also so much more room right now for collaboration because technology is so fast right now. You really do have to collaborate. I mean, there's not enough people with the skill set in every aspect of all these new technologies to fear it. I mean, I think what we really need to do is get to know each other and, and find a way to collaborate with each other because we really do have to help each other and get to the next level because it's it's just too quick for any one company or one person to do on their own. I like it. So if there's anybody uh, watching or, or listening to this podcast right now that might want to get in touch with you and maybe talk about collaboration or how you can help their business, how do they best reach you? Well, LinkedIn, LinkedIn has, you can contact me there. I spend a lot of time there. I think it's a very valuable tool. Um, you could build your business through LinkedIn and we essentially have done that. Uh, and you can, you can reach me there. Awesome. Michelle, it's been great getting to know you. I really appreciate you coming on the show and I uh, hope to, that we get a chance to chat again. Thank you, Steve. It's been a pleasure to be your guest. All right. Thank you.